0: Thank you for tuning in to the I Am Effect, a podcast where you can learn about people who have successfully found their niche in life and are striving to leave a ripple of their life's work here on earth. I am your host, Precious Carter, and today I want to chat about pit stops. Pit stops are temporary deviations from a direct or usual course, they're short stops for fuel, food, or rest during one's journey. I've learned over the years that when you're taking a trip, the excitement might not always be at the destination, but more so the journey it took to get there. We all have plans and goals and dreams. Sometimes we get so consumed with making it that we forget to enjoy the experiences along the way. Things aren't always going to work out in a way that we think they should work out. Some trips are too long to head straight through, and while we think we can handle it and make it, God places a few pit stops in our route to give us that rest we may need or replenish our resources. Don't rush the pit stops. Bask in them and receive all that you need from them because they are meant to assist us along the way. My guest today is our November Career Spotlight, and she shares with us her desired destination and the pit stops that she has already encountered. It is my desire that her transparency fuels and motivates others on their journey. my guest today is the creator of a food blog and talk show that share the same name the sit-in and also serves as producer of WLBT's Mississippi weekend let's welcome Martina Varksdale to the I am effect welcome Martina
1: thank you precious thank you for having me
0: I'm, I'm so glad to um, to be able to interview you today for the podcast I'm very excited and i um, grateful that you agreed to be our November career spotlight, because I am so proud of um, being able to follow your career and your journey to where you are today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the Hallmark question, and that is, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Um, I wanted to be several things um, as a child, but acting and, you know, being some type of working in media has always been a dream of mine. So it's it's a blessing that I actually get to live out my childhood dream.
0: Awesome. So you knew at a young age that you wanted to do um, acting or some form of being in front of the camera. Yes. Okay. So since you knew that at an early age um, and me knowing you, how I know you, and you're such a planner, let's talk about your colleagues college selection, mm-hmm. because a lot of my listeners um, are young adults that are trying to find themselves and are looking to make the right decision. So let's talk about what was important when it came to you making that choice and what factors did you consider? So actually, I had
1: always thought I was going to go to a traditional university, a traditional four-year um college, but my post-secondary education um, kind of shifted because I wanted to um, study film and television and also the business of it. Um, a lot of universities at the time when I was looking for schools, I was almost 10 years ago, it's crazy to say, in 20, 2010, 2011, um, they were s- specifically working on the acting of of training, but not really the production side of things and the business side of things. So actually my mom, I ended up um, graduating from the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts and studied acting and production and film and television. And so my mom is the one who found that school. And I was really surprised that, you know, she was so supportive of me choosing a conservatory over a college or university. But uh, based on the research that she and I did, it really fit kind of what I wanted to do. And um, she would always let me know that life, you know, I have a bunch of life ahead of me. So if I ever wanted to switch schools or switch career paths, then, you know, I had the opportunity to do that as well. So that was a blessing too. So um, really when it came to choosing, to go to the New York Conservatory. I knew that's where I wanted to go. It's just if I could get in or not, um, because it was, um, it is a small school and they do have a cap on acceptance. I think they accept like a hundred and something people a year, uh, for each class. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I studied, I honestly, I didn't really have like the money to go get like an acting coach or anything like that. So I did a lot of YouTube university and really searched for monologues and worked on monologues because that was part of the application process as well as understanding that my grades had to reflect, um, being able to be in this rigorous program because, um, we had policies like if you missed more than four of one class, the highest you could get in that class is a C, but that's doing A work. And you had to maintain, I forget the um, GPA, but it was, I, th- I think it was close to like a 3.0 a to stay in the program. Um, so I knew that I needed that discipline for whatever I was getting into. Um, and, you know, I auditioned, And I sent it, I applied and I sent in, you know, I had done a lot of things in high school to prepare for college, like even taking dual credit classes, because I thought I was going to go to university, like I said. So I was thinking, you know, let me knock out my college credits, like the basic ones. So I was in the international baccalaureate program. And then that was Mm -hmm. way too rigorous for me and what I wanted to do with my future. So I switched to like AP classes, but I was prepared to go to I, I did the work in high school, but it's funny that I did all that work in high school. And I'm not saying that it was a waste because it definitely helped me in my discipline when I did go to the conservatory. Um, but yeah, that was th- those were all the factors that I had to consider when moving away.
0: Okay, and so I wanna give my my listeners a little bit of background um, because I, I wanna prepare them for the next question and why. Um, your answer is really important for them to grab a hold of. So you were born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. Yes. And here you and your mom have done research and now you're headed off to New York City to study at the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. And so what I want you to talk about now is life in New York City as a young adult during this pivotal time. You're, you're 18 years old and now you're Le- not only are you leaving home but you're leaving home for <laughs> one of the biggest cities in our nation so talk about how you transformed and and the experiences that you experienced in New York City to make you who you are today
1: wow I don't even know where to start because <laughs>
0: <laughs> um
1: New York I spent a little over seven years so like my whole adult um especially my young adult experience is there um and I moved to this city and I don't have any family, Um, you know, looking back when I was 18, I was super naive, but I love the fact that I was a little naive because it made me fearless. It made me um, conquer things that I wouldn't have done. I would say now at 27 years old. Um, But, you know, it was a lot of ups and a lot of downs I met. Um, So many great people that have become my lifelong friends um, there. But there was a lot of challenges being able to balance um, going to class. And I was still working um, about 40 hours a week, which I don't know how I did that. And still maintain going to school. Um, But I would be working until like I, I worked at this place called uh spin new york so it was like a ping pong social club it was like a bar and people could play ping pong and things like that and it sounded really fun uh, which it was fun but so it was open so late and that's how i would have to hit my 40 hours because I would still have to pay rent. Um, my mm-hmm. first year, I, I stayed in a dorm, so I didn't really have to worry about that. My first year, I worked at a church walking distance from my dormitory, um, which was a great transition. If you ever go to school in New York, I would suggest staying in dorms, at least your first year or even first two um, before transitioning into an apartment. And I wasn't in an apartment by myself. I, I My roommates were people I went to school with as well. Uh, but even finding an apartment in New York and um, just a lot of the obstacles I went to, th- through, which, you know, they're obstacles that anybody goes through, sometimes meeting the wrong people. And really my faith was a, a big component in, you know, getting past some things that I I went through. And um, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but, you know, I I, I did uh, fall ill and was in the hospital for about three weeks, um, which ultimately led to me leaving New York and going back home for a couple years. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that that happened because I think like things are part of your life for seasons and reasons. And I think I could. I completed at at that time um, what I was supposed to do in New York and I got a ton of experience. So um, with my experience, building my resume, building my um, credentials, it was, it's made it easier for me to get jobs, you know, anywhere else in the country.
0: And that was going to be one of my next questions in regards to um, getting yourself established in your career. So you just kind of touched on it, how New York, Um, played a very critical and key role in um, getting established um, with your career but let's go ahead and let's talk about um, you touched on it briefly the adversity that you had to face as you stated before you you had fell ill um, for about three weeks and that kind of stopped you dead in your tracks so talk about regrouping and redirecting um, and how you faced that challenge. And overcame it. Yeah. So, um,
1: when it comes to overcoming something like that, you can't plan for that. And you know, I I was pretty smart with my money. I had about three months' worth of savings, um, but that wasn't enough in order for me to um, continue to get healthy and be able to afford uh, the cost of living in New York. Um, I really. At the time, I didn't know what was going on because, you know, I, I had seizures. I wasn't being, I wasn't able to talk or walk at the time. Um, I was transferring hospitals uh, to see what was going wrong and what was, but I'm going to be honest. I felt like my life was over. I felt like I had lost everything and. I didn't know who I was. I I mean, for the majority of my hospital stay, I did not, I could not go outside until I moved to NYU. Mm -hmm. I didn't even have a window. So just, you know, think about quarantine and the mental toll it's taken on us. Imagine not being able to see sunlight (laughs) and not knowing, you know, what's going on with you. And so that, and then, you know, once you're discharged from the hospital, New York has a lot of stimuli. So it was a lot for me to take in and mm-hmm. I didn't know how I was going to transition. Um, my neurologist at the time said I needed to take at least a year and go back home. And that was scary because the home that I left at 18 was not the home that I went back to at almost 25 years old. And mm-hmm. I was worried about the transition of being back in my hometown which the transition was tough but I knew I needed to be around my support system and mm-hmm. um you know up until sorry <clears throat> I have a little <laughs> a little cough um yeah wow. up until you know I would say 6 7 months ago I I just didn't know what my life was going to entail I knew that I needed this break to regroup and get sounded myself and and get back on track. But I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to achieve my dreams in Lexington, which is actually the complete opposite. Now I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, on (laughs) TV every single day. Focused on lifestyle and entertainment, getting to try all these different foods, these different experiences, everything that I prayed that I wanted to do full time because I did have a similar job like that in New York City, but it wasn't full time. I worked for the Cincinnati Reds as a game day host, but it wasn't full time. I just knew I wanted, Mm -hmm. and I was creating my own content, but that wasn't generating enough money to be able to do it full-time. So I would pray and pray, like I just want a full-time hosting position um, and producing position in order to do what I love. And I didn't know where that was going to be, but I knew I had to keep an open mind. And nowadays, what quarantine has showed me is that you don't have to live in these major cities in order to... Get acting gigs, get hosting gigs, um, do national commercials. There's a lot of work within the Midwest, South, like really all over the country, because nowadays it just makes it that much easier. And, you know, I still audition for things in New York and Atlanta and New Orleans and L.A. Um, now that everything's kind of virtual and it's nothing mm-hmm but a flight to get on uh, over. And a lot of times if you do book a gig, they pay for like travel and lodging um, if it's a large enough gig. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's, I, I learned that, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. I did a lot of healing. I did a lot of therapy, did a lot of therapy, mentally, physically, um, emotionally, and
0: ultimately it's landed me where I am today. That is amazing. And so let's talk about the shift um, directions. And I want to talk about the birth of the sit-in, your food blog and your uh, your talk show that kind of started and, and re you re- recreated the Martina Barksdale that we know today. Yeah. Um, so the sit-in,
1: I didn't know it was going to be the name, the sit-in, but I knew I wanted to do something. Um, I was kind of getting a little complacent in Lexington and I'm like, you know, um, I was meeting all these people, making all these connections and I'm like, wow, like Lexington has all this great black talent that I want the world to know about. And, you know, I had applied to different jobs in Lexington, but I felt like it was really hard for them to give me a chance. So I was like, all right, if they're not going to hire me, I'm going to create my own work. And yes, um, I talked, I planned the concept and had meetings for about a year. I, my, I had met with different director of photography, d- directors and videographers and people that I w- wanted to get behind my vision because I didn't have much of a budget. So I needed somebody who believed in the vision. And unfortunately, mm. my first... Um, person that I hired. Uh, she wasn't super responsive. She, it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. Um, so I was freaking out. So I'm like, dang, I really, you know, I, I had set deadlines that I wanted to meet. And um, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I had reached out to um, my friend's cousin, Brandon Turner, who he has his own little, uh, he, not, I won't say little, but he has his own production company and was fairly, trying to build his resume when it came to videography and we met over coffee one day. And when I tell you in two weeks we were shooting (laughs) and we had a location, I just, you know, I, I tried very hard to build relationships. So that helped uplift each other. So what helped, it also helped being cost effective when doing things like this um and now my director of photography he just got nominated for an Emmy a few months ago and his career wow. has just taken off and he just is like it makes me feel good because he's like Martina I wouldn't have these opportunities without you and that's all, what it's all about for me is like I think Issa Ray was talking about networking across and Really, you know, I want to win because I want everyone around me to win. Like if I'm moving up, it's not just going to be me. It's going to be everybody that's in my corner, you know, and the sit-in is just, it's crazy that I i know I'm going to have my own nationally syndicated talk show. I don't know when, but we're on the path. And like to go from the sit-in to now I'm actually on TV every day. And, you know, I'm still doing work with the sit-in back in Lexington um, and partnering with organizations mm-hmm. and businesses. And, um, you know, it's its really a community. And I just never thought an idea of a food blog and a talk show would help me grow into the person I am today.
0: Absolutely. Because you said so, You said two key things that stood out the most to me. And, and I love the way you talked about your team and how you want everybody to win that's connected and surrounding you. And then also how you just went ahead and professed and spoke the words out there and put it into existence that you know, Not that you think, but that you know you're going to have a nationally syndicated talk show. And that's amazing. I believe in you, too. And I know there's so many other people that believe in you. And um, I love the work of the sit-in. And um, I loved um, what you did back in June, the 19 days of supporting Black businesses leading up to Juneteenth. Um, That was awesome and phenomenal. And it spoke volumes of your character to push other businesses out there um, I actually used and utilized a few of the businesses that you promoted and so it was just amazing Um, so I I think it's it's a great space um, that you've created and I I know that because your intentions your motives and your heart behind it are good I know and believe with you that it is going to go places so that is amazing and so now I want you to let's transition over to how you're finding a healthy balance because now you are um, a full-time producer with um, the Mississippi weekend on um, WLBT. So talk about what is the Mississippi Weekend. So
1: Mississippi Weekend, um, so I I work for Gray Television Media and their stations have over the past couple years added a lifestyle component. So Mississippi Weekend highlights, um, you know, food, drinks, things to do, festivals, lifestyle, entertainment within Mississippi. Um, It's an online platform as well as um, part of the, we have a lifestyle show on WLBT, which is today at 11, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. And um, I just get to feature cool products and cool things. I've been roller skating. I've tried everything from tacos to Asian food to Catfish, and we have like this catfish bracket of who has the best catfish in Central Mississippi that people are a part of. Um, I shoot, create, and edit, and host my own content as well. So <laughs> when it comes to balance, I'm gonna be honest. I'm still trying to find the balance because I don't know if you saw, but I just released. Well, the Julietta Market is a new business in Lexington. So before I left, I shot some content for that, and that just released. So. Um, And then I'm working on a black restaurant week for Lexington for 2021 as we speak. Um, So I'm still trying to find the balance. Uh, What I am finding more of is that, you know, it's great to have your hand in different pots, um, but I'm learning to say no a little bit to things as well um, because I can't do everything and be everywhere. So really being cognitive of where I invest my energy um, not only professionally, but emotionally and really making time for me. Um, I need time to like just lay around and not do anything. Um, and really investing into my mental health. Like I, I work out four times a week, you know, I can invest in my mental health four times a week as well. Um, even if it's just an hour or two. Um, so really I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get overwhelmed because it's some Points it does because it it is a lot, and the great thing is our our ratings are growing, the page views are growing, um, and Mississippi Weekend in just a short amount of time um, has grown tremendously. Um, when we look at our analytics and. You know, so it's a little bit of pressure to keep it to keep it up, you know, from my bosses, Mm -hmm. but um, really still trying to find time to do things that I want to do, like acting, too. So um, I'm planning to get with an agency in this area uh, because New Orleans is only two hours away. So, um, you know, I, I still acting is still a part of it as well so just really making time to do what I want to do and really find that balance of supporting others but realizing that
0: I matter (laughs) as well yes yes I I love it and you know sometimes it's trial and error in in trying to find a healthy balance it's trial and error and it's being it's it's Being comfortable with admitting, okay, this way that I did didn't work. So let me just, you know, reset, hit the reset button and try it another way. And I like, I like also how you said that you're starting to say no and you're, and you're learning to put yourself first because you matter. And so that is awesome. So since we're talking about um, trial and error, I have another Hallmark question that I like to ask everyone. And it is, I, I don't want my listeners to be afraid to talk mm-hmm. about failure because I don't think that failure is necessarily a bad thing unless we're talking <laughs> about grades <laughs> in school to me failure is not a bad thing because I think that oftentimes when we fail at something that we're trying to do it's not that we can't do it it's that we found the way not to do it so we know this is the way not to do it so what is a memorable failure? And how did you use it as a teaching moment? Do you have another hour?
1: (laughs) um, I have failed (laughs) a lot. Um, One of my most memorable failures in relation to getting back out there with hosting. Um, So I auditioned for the Cincinnati Reds back in June of 2018. And I didn't get it. Didn't get it at all. But they were super nice, sent me my footage, and I was like, you know what? I was just happy to get back on the horse after not doing anything since November 2017 in relation to camera and acting um, and hosting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I you know it was a good experience, and I'm just like, I'll just wait for the next opportunity. Um, March of 2019, I get an email from the boss of, you know, from the director of the Cincinnati Reds and, you know, they asked me if I wanted to come on that next season. So, um, you know, you never, I always, I love, I, I don't mind being told no, because no, especially in the industry I am in, no happens a lot. Like I've applied to, you know, I think one of my agencies, they track the number of auditions you submit to. And I think I had, Maybe a hundred and twenty mm-hmm. auditions for that year, and I booked like four, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's mm-hmm. it's it's it, that's mm-hmm. just part of the game. I'm not gonna hear yes all the time, and that's okay because sometimes that yes is right around the corner. People are gonna recognize your talent, and they're gonna see it. Just like in Lexington, I applied to jobs at the television stations. I applied to be a talent other on in other production. I applied to production companies and I did not hear back. I did not get a yes, but that did not stop me from keeping like keeping on. Because then it got to the point where the sit-in was taking off so much where the t- visit Lex, which is the tourism of lexington was reaching out to me you know yeah um different Mm -hmm. platforms and radio stations and news stations were reaching out to me and i would say you know failure is a part of the i failed on so many things failed on businesses business ideas i thought it was a good idea I'm not passionate enough about it. I've lost money. I've lost, you know, hope at some times, but you know, failure is a part of the process, but how you pick up after it is really going to determine, you know, your future. And it's okay to be sad for a little bit. It's okay to kind Mm -hmm. of grieve in the process of getting
0: to where you want to get. Yes. And, and, I think this season of the I Am Effect, that has been the common theme is it's okay to yes. not be okay for a moment, It, but it's finding the strength to be like, okay, enough is enough. Now it's time to get back out there. Like you said, get back on the horse and uh, and and keep moving, keep pushing. And so my next question as we're winding down is what advice do you have to give? For my listeners that are looking to break into the industry or looking to start something, looking to produce produce their own content because they keep hearing no. What advice do you have for them? (laughs) Just start. And it's not going to be perfect. You're
1: going to see your evolution when it comes to creating content. You're going to see your evolution when it comes to you're going to get better and better. But you have to start. You can't wait till every single duck is in a row. And don't be afraid to ask for help because I didn't get anywhere by myself. No one gets anywhere by themselves. Now, do you are you, do you hold yourself accountable and you pick yourself up in order to jumpstart things? Yes. But teams are important support is very important and do not be ashamed to ask questions do your research like we're in the age of you can find any information on any subject any item right now you know so do your homework do your research do the work
0: and just start yes great advice And so my last question to you is another Hallmark question, how we end here at the I Am Effect, Um, because we like to recognize how people use their influence and how they exercise their power to bring about positive results. And so think of Exodus 3.14, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so I like to put ourselves in the position of what Moses was in, because there's a lot of work to do here on earth. And so God is the one stating to us, go and do what I've called and commissioned you to do. Don't fear. Don't worry. I have equipped you with everything that you need. And when you're in doubt or when people try to question who you are, you tell them that I am has sent me to you. And we know that I am are the two most powerful words because what comes after it next is what manifests. So if I ask you to complete this statement, I am blank, what would be the one adjective that you would use to make that sentence true in your life today? I
1: am enough.
0: Awesome. And that just goes back to everything. It sums up everything that you have spoken about today. And so thank you once again for taking time away from your busy weekend and sharing with my listeners your journey and how you have built and capitalized on a successful Thank you, precious. This has been amazing. to a degree or quantity that satisfies, sufficient to meet demands or expectations. We live in a society that likes to measure everything. And what I mean by that is everything evolves around numbers and how we are placed within the system. We have competitions for everything. We rank everything. People measure their success by how many viewers are watching their program, how many listeners are tuned into their show, how many members are in their congregation, how many books they have sold. We'd like to be placed on list. Imagine a world where we weren't concerned with all of that. What would our world look like if we just went out and did what we were good at or passionate about and not focused on quantity, demands, or expectations. You see, it's up to us to put the numbers aside and say, I've had enough with society because I am enough. As I heard Martina's bold proclamation, I thought about Ephesians 2, verse 10, that states, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This week I challenge you to realize that you are enough and that God has prepared in advance your work that he has assigned you to do. Forget your fears, forget your worries, forget your doubts. Forget the list, forget the rankings, and especially forget the opinions of other people. Realize you are God's handiwork and just go for it. Until next week, may his peace be with you. I'm Precious Carter, and thank you for listening to the I Am Effect.